Welcome to Bloody Bay, an eclectic full-contact theater audio drama series written by Mimi Monteith and Anne-Marie Shea. Please like, follow, subscribe, or drop a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Successful mystery author Florence Gardner is facing both a potentially ruinous divorce from husband and former actor Lee Millville and slumping sales. Desperate for inspiration, she heads to Bloody Bay, the small Maine town whose record of murders makes New York look like Branson. But it seems the town's main export has dried up, so Florence devises a plan that'll really knock them dead. And now, Bloody Bay. Here you are, looking all over the place for you since our Miss Marple Sweet is so uninhabitable. I don't know what Beverly does with her time. So, here we are. Beverly says you've reclaimed the Sherlock Holmes suite. For years I've had a standing reservation here, until Beverly rented it out to her Texan lover. Did he leave? I thought they were an item. So much an item that he's moved into Beverly's own quarters. <laughs> Voila, I've got my favourite suite back. I wish I could say the same about my wardrobe. Hasn't Beverly picked up my dry cleaning yet? I don't know what she does with her time. How's the first draft going? It's not. Oh, writer's block? Let's call it what it is. Intellectual constipation. Do you have to get so graphic? It's all Dennis Spencer's fault. He went and did the noble thing. He confessed to the murder of his wife. It's not a crime. The confession, I mean, not the murder. <laughs> murder is still a crime, no? Don't try to be funny. Just asking. Things change so quickly these days. And it is America. I already knew Dennis did it. That was no contribution to my creative process, but I was planning on saving that for page 300 or something. But no, Dennis has to go and cut to the chase, or to the confession in this case, leaving me with many, many blank pages between the commission of the crime and getting crushed by the wheels of justice. Where are my red herring leads? Possibly could account for over a hundred pages of text altogether. Where are the wrongly accused suspects? Readers expect at least two or three couple of hundred pages of copyright there. No, good old Dennis has to spill the beans publicly before my real-life inspiring incidents have time to incubate. Bad form. Premature release of the inevitable like that. Glass houses, you are not one to mark someone else's premature. Ah, moving on. Didn't you have some backup plans for other murders? If only... I had to lead Beverly by the nose to set up her suspicion of Texas infidelity. Always a good motive for offering a spouse or fiancé. Nothing has happened. And do you know how hard it is to get our police chief thinking seriously about a crime of passion? It's like asking a jellyfish to play the violin. It's unlikely he'll rise above his infatuation with that southern belle to give her what she deserves. Or what he should think she deserves. I really am starting to entertain the thought of providing a murder on my own. 
Realistically, when do you think you can wrap this up and send it to your agent? Murder is harder than you think. It's not as if one can open a blank page, write, and he has caught the end, forward it to a publisher, and then just sit back and wait for the royalties to pour in. In the real world, murder has consequences. For one, in the real world, I can't believe I'm referring to the village of Bloody Bay as the real world. Anyway, here there are so many complications. Emotions, relationships, sense of responsibility, dread of guilt. Most people, even though they often say, I could just kill him or her or them, most people simply cannot murder. And above all, there is that pesky aversion to the burden of guilt that is bound to ensue. Oh, wait a minute. Guilt. What about it? I have an idea. Who knows more about guilt than he who must help the guilty unburn themselves on a regular basis? Are you referring to... Yes, I've got it. Père Laurence. Dennis did mention that he was a most forgiving priest. If I can't orchestrate a murder from beginning to end, maybe I can start at the end and work backwards to motivation and means. Opportunity is easy enough, just make that up. After all, I am a professional novelist. Time for me to check in with a spiritual advisor. I'll drop over to St. Anne's Church and see if Père Laurence can guide me. Just pray the church doesn't collapse as I walk through the door once again. Père Laurence, are you here? Allô? Allô, qui est? Père Laurence, c'est moi, Florence Gardner. Are you busy? I want to talk to you about confession. Confession? Ah, even if I were busy, I would stop to hear the confession of a penitent. As long as I can get back to the rectory in time for Days of Our Lives, that is. You? A man of the cloth? You watch daytime soaps? I'm surprised. Only for the pratique of the language. More, I speak the English almost perfectly. However, with the comprehension, there are a problem. So I watch and listen every day to learn about the real challenges of les Américains. Oh, yes. Can't beat TV melodramas for saying it like it is. Such realism. Not that I approve of the contents, the greed, the adulteries, the unknown fathers of mysterious babies. No, no. And no, they are all in need of spiritual guidance. Although I do love their fashion and their hairstyles. Well, anyway, I didn't come here to talk about TV drummers. I want to ask you about... Ah, yes, the confession. Usually we sit in the confessional, uh, this petit chambre ici, uh, this tiny room here. Oh, no, heavens no. I, I didn't come to confess anything. Then why are you taking up my time? The TV, the, the days of our lives begin soon. Melanie and Philip, they're about to break up again. C'est tragique. Oh, contraire, mon père. Quite the opposite, father. No, I, I want to find out about other people's confessions. To share secrets learned in the confessional is forbidden. No, you must leave now. Oh, not exactly in the confessional. What about ones that are found in? <laughs> oh, very droll. Confessions are never found in. In all of my life, since I was ordained as a young man, never 
well, maybe once. Are you talking about Dr. Dennis Spencer? Uh, my lips are seared. Besides, Dr. Spencer was drunk. Then he did confess to you. If he did, and I am saying if, then I would not be able to talk about it. Even if it would mean saving someone's life, an innocent party wrongly accused, maybe even eventually convicted of a murder that was done by someone else? Absolutely. There are no situations which makes the exception. Maybe if we just talk in generalities. No names, no specifics. Well, I knew you'd see it my way. Now, first, motive. Not for the crime, for the confession. Why would a person want to tell you the worst thing he or she has done? Sin is a great burden to the spirit. Confessions removes a great weight. How many people have confessed murder to you? I would say maybe... Uh, no, 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 no. That is getting too specific. Next question, s'il vous plaît. Moving on. Have all the murderers who have confessed to you been eventually caught? All. And they are relieved not to carry the secret any longer. Have you ever heard a confession from a murderer who ended up not getting caught? Oh, I see you are a clever woman. You still want me to share something that I have sworn never to expose. Change the topic. One more question, then it is TV time. And no absolution for you today. Because you are not even asking for forgiveness. He may come off as a country bumpkin curate, but damn, he has his own way of being clever. It's true, they train these guys really well. Okay, last question. Uh, and I think this is general enough that even you will be able to answer without feeling guilty. Do you think there is a way that a person could commit a murder without anyone, aside from a confessor like you, being able to figure out why and how? Definitely, yes. And if you make me miss the top of my show, as they say, I may try it out on you. Au revoir. Be sure to close the door when you leave. Well, my dear Padre, I think you may have told me more than you wanted to. You have told me that you know a way to murder without leaving any trail, any clues. And you do indeed know what that process is. Making a little bit of progress here. I think I'll celebrate with a little pick-me-up down at the Old Bay Bar. Lynn, the regular, if you please. Make it a double. A little early in the day, even for you, eh, Miss Jean? Early? Oh, I've never been to bed. I've been up all night, typing, typing at the laptop keyboard. The creative juices are rushing through my fertile imagination like a verbal tsunami. I just had to give myself a break. Not that I'd pass up on idle gossip. You know how this town can be. And I do, so share. Well, there are some around here saying you ain't been getting any writing done at all. <laughs> envy. Nothing but envy. Like most people who lead the proverbial lives of quiet desperation. Envy. You see the proof before you. If I were not typing my fingers down to the cuticle, how could I possibly be so in need of a quiet pick-me-up? Well, you got me there. Yep, must simply be jealousy, like you said. 
Nolan, what I said was envy, which is pain at the sight of another's good fortune. Jealousy is something quite different. Being overly watchful, guarding someone or something too closely mustn't confuse our deadly sins. So, people get envious of someone like you, a celebrity, but they can also get jealous of... Give me an example. A spouse or a lover. Ah, I see. Needing to keep them from other people. Trick up your ears. A fine case study just walked in. Miss Gardner, just a person I wanted to see. Maybe you could tell me... Oh, hi, hi, Lynn, is it? Yeah. So, Mr. Holden, what'll be? Just some club soda. Well, hell no. Man with the problem that's plaguing me needs a man's drink, no matter how early it is. I'll have a Maker's Mark double splash of branch water. Coming up. Why, Tex, I've never seen you so agitated. And drinking in the middle of the day? That's not like you. Yeah, but ain't you drinking in the middle of the day, too? That's different. I'm a writer. Oh, well, I guess. Uh, oh, say, Miss Gardner, you seem... Florence, please. If you say so, uh, Florence... Uh, you seem to be a really good friend of my Beverly, oh, and I would was Would I host a bridal shower? I'd love to. Of course, it would have to be at the B&B, which would make Beverly technically the host of her own shower, but I'm sure we could work that out. That, that's real sweet of you, Florence, but it, it's something else is on my mind. Wait for it, Lynn. Here comes a primo example of jealousy. I just now came back from down the city, just uh, spent a couple hours trying to find her a suitable ring. Choice is kind of narrowed around here, not at all like Dallas. Anyway, I'm not out of her sight for more than two hours, Tops. And before I can give her a kiss and say, howdy, Bev, she, she don't like it when I call her sweetheart or honey bunch. Don't she start calling me every name in the book, and I ain't talking about Holy Scripture. Heavens, that doesn't sound like our Beverly. Last time I laid eyes on her, she was walking on clouds because of your engagement. Oh, where are my manners? Did I ever congratulate you? Well, you can save your breath. She says she never wants to see me again. Oh, poor Tex. I'm sure it's just a misunderstanding, blown out of proportion because Beverly's nerves are on edge in anticipation of the wedding. This is all so new to her. I still remember my first wedding, barely. So I've been trying to give her a few tips, trousseau, wedding dress, prenuptial agreement. Prenup? No, no, she knows I got no truck with lawyering up over some things that should just be a matter of the heart. Surely you wouldn't want her And to... my name is Tex. Sorry, I should know better. Beverly had told me you were sensitive about that. <laughs> a man named Shirley. <laughs> Beverly simply thinks that's a hoot. Of course, she would never say that in front of you. I do not. I cannot believe she told you my real name. It's supposed to be a secret. What in tarnation is she so mad at me about? Sure, I, I spent more time down the city than I'd planned to, but good grief, that traffic. It's not my habit to get involved in other people's love affairs. I think the best thing to do is simply for you to go and ask her what her problem is. She's usually in her office at the B&B this hour of the day. Finish your drink and then run over to confront her about her behavior. Well, thanks so much, Florence. That's exactly what I'll do. Uh, uh, maybe another one for luck. Uh, hey, Lynn, 
and Tex. What now? Don't forget to bring your gun. Lynn, my check. Just put it on my credit card and your tip. How can I get any bookkeeping done if I have to answer this door every two minutes? Maybe if you would let guests have their own keys. Maybe if guests kept regular hours without coming and going all the time, day and night. I'm just saying. You know where your suite is? Himself is in there already. Keep it quiet this time. Mean it. Why would Lee be in my suite on a lovely afternoon like this? Lee, what are you doing with my laptop? Celebrating that I was able to use your password. How did you know my password? I used your birthday. <laughs> Useless. Plus 20 years forward. Bingo. Oh. Since I unlocked your laptop over an hour ago, I have been furiously trying to see if there has been a single, one single keystroke all day long. Zilch, last time we spoke, you were headed over to visit Pear Lawrence, expecting him to give you scraps of murder anecdotes that you could retroconstruct into a patchwork of a pilot. Instead, here you are, apparently on the town all afternoon and reeking of gin. Are you stalking me? I am stalking a possible source of income. Your next book so that you can afford to resuscitate my credit cards. My credit cards, which you are living off of. And which require maintenance. When will you learn to pay your bills on time? The same day you learn to carry your own weight. I have prospects. I have prospects. We've discussed this. Prospects? <laughs> Not a word usually found in the same sentence as your name. You are overlooking a very important resource, a recording stored on a phone which, as we speak, is no doubt in transport, again, over the Atlantic, in the custody of two of the most powerful nations on Earth. A blackmail scheme hardly qualifies as prospects, especially if the victim is cash poor. Florence, where is your book? Certainly not in this laptop. I checked every file. You'll get it when I get it. But somebody has to die first. The Barry Spencer, sorry, doesn't have legs at this point. Murder? Anyone I know? I haven't been as idle as you accuse me of being. Beverly is pretty much convinced that Tex is two-timing her. And you know her temper. I put a B in Tex's ten-gallon hat that Beverly has hopped to write a crippling prenup. We're talking oil here, big time. Greed. Check off another deadly sin. Within a few minutes, Tex and Beverly should be having a heated discussion in the office downstairs. And did I tell you that Tex always packs a gun? No good can come of that. That's one possibility. Let's see, what else? Although Clinton was a little slow on the uptake, I think I've got him thinking that Magnolia is either busy with you or with Tex. Every moment she isn't busy hawking forever stumps. I wish you had left my name out of this. Clinton carries a gun too. Duh, of course. The gun is part of the picture. 
Have you ever heard of someone being tickled to death? Work with me here, work with me. I know what it is to die from violence. Do you remember my role in the film Wrong Man on the Guillotine? I was, well, not actually nominated, but on the shortlist. For best background actor, yes, Lee. But that wasn't death, that was acting. Sure, but people were convinced I died. Because the props department and the editors were superb. You're talking about death. Uh, what about, what's the title? So many films on the topic. Uh, you know, 1944, lots of boats, shooting from every direction. You're not talking about the three weeks it took to shoot a reenactment of a landing in Normandy that, in historical fact, took a couple of hours. You had union protocols regarding the explosives. You were never in danger. Florence, how can you be so heartless? So many men died. And you were not one of them. In 1944, you were a sparkle in your daddy's eye as he ducked the draft while he took care of the chickens on the farm in... Florence, no mention of my growing up in Kansas. Please, I beg you. I have built my entire career on being a thoroughly British actor. We learned in the earliest days of training, British is better. Nowadays, it's all gangster speak, regionalism. You can't even cast a credible Noel Coward anymore. You would have been a tad more convincing at the ruse if you had paid more attention in dialect class. I managed to pull off the received pronunciation bit quite well. If it weren't for that damn schwa sound. <sighs> Diabolical. Only the English would be nasty enough to impose that on my native tongue. All the time and money the producers had to spend on, what is the term, looping, dubbing, you know, re-recording every word where that sound popped up. <laughs> Do you know it is everywhere? Practically every word. Another British plot. Uh, Americanisms. We all find it downright offensive, a barbaric custom to refer to your mum's sister as an insect. Mm, that's right. Twist the knife some more. You had the whole cast and crew in stitches. <laughs> more tea. Aunt Augusta. <laughs> they laughed so hard. Oh, excuse me. They laughed so hard. <laughs> well, my diction may have been off, but everyone agreed my deaths were superb, which is what we were talking about. No one could die as I did. Don't give me any ideas. If that's a threat, I'm not listening. As a specialist, you must know that in every murder, the first suspect is usually the spouse. And in your case, you have created for the eager reader a vast catalogue of modes. If anything were to happen to me, the police would be reading every one of your mysteries as if they were looking for fingerprints. But every one of my cases gets solved... Every murderer is caught by the police, tried before a judge, and found guilty by a jury. Strangely, every convicted murderer is always sentenced to life imprisonment. No one is ever executed. Lee, don't even mention the topic. Do you know what execution involves? Consider hanging. The rope breaks one's neck but doesn't kill. The poor bastard can be hanging there for hours until he finally suffocates. Electric chair? Just because the switch is thrown, it doesn't mean that death is instantaneous. Lethal injection? Oh, the very thought of needles gives me the creeps. I'd rather die. Uh, why, Florence, I've never heard you appear so, well, almost vulnerable. 
you who have caused so many fictional characters to suffer such miserable ends, you really can't stand the thought of death. This room is suddenly quite close. Too much talk of death. Let's continue this conversation on the beach. A walk in the fresh air will do us both good. And it will probably be more private. Beverly is getting so weird, I wouldn't put it past her to bug the rooms. Let's see if we can sneak past Beverly's office without interrupting whatever is going on in there. What do you mean? Woman, where did you get the idea you needed more money? Tex was planning to drop in on Beverly this afternoon for a frank discussion about that prenuptial agreement. Looking for any excuse to dump me! But Beverly isn't actually insisting on a prenup, is she? Knowing Beverly, she will insist once Tex plants the notion that she can't have one. Ah, fresh air and sunshine. How I love the simple things in life. Oh, no. I was hoping we'd have the beach to ourselves. That pesky priest is approaching us, like everybody else in this town. Gossip, gossip. Oh, I think he's rather dear. And good at keeping confidences, actually. Ah, ma chérie Florence. Bon après-midi. And good afternoon to you, father. You've met my husband. Monsieur, I would stop to chat, but I am using the plow. The beach here uh, for making my meditation. Au revoir, and good luck with your reconciliation. Marriage is a gift from well, God. Well, that was nice of him, I suppose. But where did he get the idea that we were reconciling? Not the worst rumour that could be in circulation. We may find it uh, useful along the way. Is the fresh air invigorating Dame Agatha's man would call the little grey cells? The world at large thinks just because I've written all those books, I know all there is to know about murder. The automobile crash where the bricks have been tampered with. The hunting trip with the wrong target getting short. The soothing bedtime tub where bathing salts were swapped out for acid. The misplaced prescription medicine. <laughs> you kill it, I'll solve it. All from the real-life Bloody Bay crimes that I turned into plots for my books. When you think of it, the real criminals have profited from your retelling. Those nobodies must be delighted that you have immortalized them. Ingrates, everyone. Would it take so much to write a thank you note, a, a greeting at the holidays, perhaps? Poor Florence. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate your unexpected sympathy. But still, you don't have a good story now that Dennis has confessed. In my quest for a fresh murder, I've done my best to set up someone, anyone. Off the top of my head, Magnolia is as good as dead if Clinton stews enough about her promiscuity, and he has access to a gun. Or he might spare her. He is so crazy about that woman. And instead go after Tex, who also has a gun. So there could be a two-for-one sale there. But if he is motivated to off-tax, wouldn't he be equally as determined to... Well, my name has come up. Of course. Thank you, Lee. Of course Clinton could come after you. I was getting concerned that Tex would not be available because Beverly would have already taken care of him. But 
Tex carries a gun, wouldn't he be able to defend himself? Not against Beverly. That woman is strong. Have you seen her move furniture? I was thinking of that old standard. Delicacy of the female spirit, aversion to blood and all that. Check that box. She is known for the speed with which she can field dress a moose. Where do you think that breakfast sausage that you so enjoy comes from? I could have done without knowing that. So you're saying that even though she is a woman, she is not limited to poisoning as a means. That's a standard in your writing. If months of drinking what she serves at the B&B as coffee hasn't finished off Tex, the man cannot be poisoned. So far, I count one. Clinton shoots Magnolia out of jealousy. Two, Beverly, ditto with Tex, with her bare hands. Three, Tex shoots Beverly, a crime of passion, because she insists on a prenup. And don't forget that she betrayed his trust by telling me his real name. Tex isn't his real name. Long story, read the book. So that about does it. Three possible murders. Of course, there's always the off chance that Magnolia could rust the gun from Clinton and murder him out of sheer boredom. Okay. Improbable, but that brings it up to four. Aren't we overlooking something? I don't think so. What did you have in mind? Not what, but who? Oh, no, not that. I thought we eliminated my elimination. Florence, really, darling? I didn't even really do anything. Just a harmless flirtation to keep her on my side. Discounted postage. Even that small phone console in the air is starting to really cost me. No, Clinton would never seriously... When have you ever known Clinton not to be serious? <laughs> oh, the math is getting interesting here. I think the story will flow more smoothly without the interruption of my thoroughly unwarranted death. A cheap red herring. What we seem to be evolving into is a reversal of my very successful model, turning the formula on its head. So rather than real-life inspiration producing a novel, we are flirting with novel-inspires real-life crime. As long as you can make the facts stick to the crimes in the novels. Have you even read the novels? Each and every one of the murderers gets caught. That won't do. Why should you care if Beverly or Tex or Clinton or anybody in this town gets convicted? Just feed them to your hungry muse, the real one and not me, your strictly PR muse. Feed the muse you rent out space in your soul to. Just let her masticate on the facts and regurgitate a novel. You've done it before. Bad enough they didn't teach you dialect at that excuse of a drama school you attended. I will not have you badmouth my alma mater. Didn't they have exercises to sharpen your observational skills? If you had bothered to read any of the novels that have been supporting you all these years... I read. I read plenty. Why are you always harping on how little I read? Reading is overrated anyway. You would see that all the murderers get caught. Ah, uh, mes enfants... You are making the wars between you again. I tell you truthfully, this is not the route to travel. This will only lead back to divorce talk again. Oh, sorry, Father. We must have disturbed your meditative stroll on the sand, uh, on the rocks. I was returning to the rectory anyway. Enough time on the beach. Back to pastoral duties. <laughs> you mustn't let us detain you then. 
Father here, I consider you my flock, and it is God's will that I may help you in any way. How about uh, this evening? Uh, no, 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 no. Make it uh, tomorrow, about uh, 3 p.m., let us say. You're making an appointment for... Why else would a pastor be sitting down with a married couple? Can I guidance? What? Can I? You know where's the story in the Bible where the miracle is performed and does the wedding guests get all the wine they need? Uh, 3 p.m. tomorrow, did you say? <laughs> Should we bring cheese for the wine? <laughs> oh, you are so witty. <laughs> I said, Kana, you think wine? Very good. Everyone knows in the church that Kana refers to marriage counseling. So we'll see you, both of you, at 3 p.m. tomorrow. And no more fighting. And you, Monsieur Movie Star. No more uh, to keep that thing under control. Au revoir. Uh, what just happened here? Did I just get signed up for marriage counseling with a celibate? Uh, hey, uh, Padre, <laughs> come back here. No, let him go. I, for one, plan to show up tomorrow and pick his brains. How can a man give advice about marriage when he has vowed to give up sex? No, not marriage counselling, silly. I'm past being counselled on that point. Then? From my earlier conversation with him, I think he may hold the key to my dilemma. I don't follow. He has spent his life listening to sinners of all kinds, even murderers, share their deepest regrets with him. He's a hard nut to crack, but I think he knows a lot more about murder than one might think, the sweet old dear. I don't see how this breaks your writer's block. I think he has actually heard the confession of a killer who didn't get caught. He nearly slipped and said so. And? Don't you see? If I can get him to tell me how this sinner got away with murder, maybe I can adapt it to the circumstance here. I don't see why you had to go to a priest to find that out. After all, I threw a creepy journalist off the curb, but here I am. No one has accused me. I'm free as a bird. Congratulations, but that was just dumb luck. You had the cooperation of a London bus, and where am I expected to find such a vehicle here in Bloody Bay? But don't you want Tex or Clinton or whoever to get caught eventually? Eventually? I would just like one of them to eventually murder someone. At this point, I am losing patience. I have provided the classic motivation, sexual jealousy, hours, days ago. By this time, I should have at least one measly crime of passion, but everyone seems to be sitting on their assumptions. That damn prince of Denmark was more impetuous than this bunch. Do I? Will I? Shall I wait until later? Should I fact check first? Enough! When am I going to get around to starting this damn book? At least one of them better produce a corpus delecti, and soon. You have to admit, they're not the most exciting bunch. I swear if they don't kill someone, I shall. Make that I will. Are you crazy? Two minutes ago you were screaming that murderers always get caught. You can't risk this. No court will let you write a book and profit off your crime. All those royalty checks up in smoke. Watch me. That sweet little priest seems to have the secret to getting away with murder. I'm going to keep that date with him tomorrow and get the secret out of him. Then all I have to do is pick a victim. About that victim? The easiest part. 
Well, I certainly got a lot out of our little stroll. Time to head back. If you say so. Oh, watch your step. You almost slipped on that rock. Pity if anything happened to you. Now... Thank you for listening to Bloody Bay, written by Mimi Monteith and Anne-Marie Shea, directed by Callie Wills, and starring the voice talents of Jean-Marie Kuhn, Luis Bermudez, Forrest Manico, Ailey Lassane, Christopher Kay, Robert Kuhn, Jessica Lauren Fisher, and Rochelle Prue. Sound design by Daniel Houle. We'd like to thank everyone who supported Bloody Bay on Kickstarter, including Tyler Gilbert, J. Xander Kittenoa, Jesse Casanova, Kat McKay, Donaldson Cardenas, Joey Johnson, and Ella Watts. Your support through this lockdown has made it possible to bring these stories to life. If you want to support Bloody Bay directly, you can do so at redcircle.com shows slash bloody bay. Experience Bloody Bay like a local by signing up at Patreon at patreon.com slash EFCT, where your monthly pledge gets you exclusive access to behind-the-scenes content and merchandise. Are you scared of commitment? We understand. Head over to buymeacoffee.com slash EFCT, where you can make a one-time donation, no strings attached. Your donations and support help EFCT continue to highlight the work of women, BIPOC, and LGBTQ plus artists. Thanks for listening and see you next week.